Yes, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1 to 6, and that can be found in the Pew Bibles on page 1165. 2 Corinthians 10, beginning at verse 1. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold towards you when away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be bold, as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Well, good morning. Well, last week was Vision Sunday, and Steve put before us the challenge of staying true to the Christian path. And we were left with the question, we were left with a few questions, but one of the questions we were left with last week is this. How can we maintain our distinctiveness as followers of Christ today? How can we maintain our distinctiveness? Now, I want to suggest that one way to this, in a very important way, is that we as believers have to engage and understand culture. This has to be high on our priority list for maintaining our distinctiveness. So today, we're kicking off a culture matter series to set up things for us to do some work on this. And this morning is an introduction And I want to present two culture matters for us to consider. And we're going to use 2 Corinthians 10, the verses just read for us, as our guide. So firstly, a question. Why then does culture matter? And the two answers I've thought of is, firstly, because it's the world we live in. That's why it matters. It's the world we live in. Notice how Paul puts it at the beginning of verse 3. For though we live in the world. Now this word world is often used by New Testament writers. And I want to suggest that when the New Testament uses the word world, it's not referring to our planet, what one old hymn calls the terrestrial ball. It's not referring to that. The word world in the New Testament gets very close to what we mean by culture. So what is culture? Well, from the very get-go, I want to be very clear on this point. There is something about culture which is very good. We have to endorse it. Why? Because God created culture. And actually, culture shows up very early in the Bible. 
In fact, in the first two chapters. And the first act of culture in the Bible is an act of gardening. We have some gardeners in this congregation. You're in good company. And who was the first gardener? God the creator. He planted, made a garden in the east. So agriculture is where it starts. The tilling of the ground. Creating something that has borders and shape. My gardening never did very well there. And you intentionally put things in and you leave other things out. If we didn't have this form of culture, everything would be wild. It would be wilderness. So God, our creator, has given to us as the human creatures what it takes to make cultures. All of us are culture makers. And culture is what we bring to God's world. It couldn't happen without us. Animals don't create culture. Only humans do. Now, if you press me here for a definition of culture, I think this would be it. Culture is how humans leave their signature on the world. It's how we leave our mark on the world. And we do it in lots of ways. We do it as nations. The culture of nations. The culture of the English or the Scots. The English with their fish and chip shops. And it used to be the culture that had carpets. When I came here in 1985, everyone had carpets. And I thought, what are they? Things for collecting dust and dirt. Don't you have vacuum cleaners? Carpets. As individuals, we make culture. And culture belongs to us. We do it in lots of ways. We leave unique signatures. All of us do that with where we put our clothes at the end of the day. Some by the side of the bed on the floor. Others look at our exercise machines that haven't been used for about two years and hang our clothes on them. Very neatly, perhaps. So the marks of culture are everywhere. They're all around us. This week, last few weeks, we see it in sports. It's the World Cup of rugby, the greatest sport humans ever created. The one I'm sure will carry forward into heaven. It shows up in art. Music, drama, painting, sculpture. This city is full of this kind of culture. High culture. So, why does culture matter? Because it comes from God. It's his gift. And because of this, Christians should be the first to affirm it to endorse it, and to say good about it. But there's another side to culture matters. Hearing the reading earlier, this read for us in 2 Corinthians, there's something about the world culture here which is rather negative. Let's listen to it again. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be bold as, as I expect to be bold towards some people who think that we live by the standards of the world. For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. It's getting negative. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient 
to Christ. This is the language of warfare. It's battleground. And Paul's saying here that culture is the theater of a battle. It's a place of spiritual warfare. So Paul's clearly inferring here that the world, culture, has a dangerous side. Now why is that? Well, Paul, I think, gives a hint of this back in verse 2 where he talks about the standards of the world. We don't live according to the standards of the world, our culture. And here he names what we today might refer to as values, culture values. A value is a human idea of something that we impose onto culture. And everyone stands up to the idea that we collectively put there. So it becomes the standard, it becomes the common agreement, culture values, our idea of the world. And there are ideas, standards, values for all kinds of things that become part of the culture we live in. So there's an idea attached to culture of what it means to be a human person. Now that is changing rapidly at the moment. There's other ideas attached to culture of what life is for. There's ideas attached to culture today about what the family is. Now the thing we need to understand about culture values is that they're very fluid. The human idea about things can change and shift and sometimes do so very rapidly. So in the last 10 years, we've seen a a massive shift on the ideas around sexuality and gender. Breakneck speed in the change of cultural values. And these culture values have been attached to a symbol. It's one of the ways values get into culture. They attach themselves to symbols and to words and to phrases. These appeal to the imagination. So the change of idea about gender and sexuality is being attached to the, flag, to the rainbow. And the rainbow as a symbol of these new ideas have transformed our understanding, the human idea of what these things are about. And you see the symbol everywhere. And this is a sensitive matter. It requires a careful conversation. But it is, for those of us who are Christians, a deeply uncomfortable matter. Because most of us, I believe all of us should, based on this Bible, actually object to the culture ideal that's embedded there. But to do that is to make yourself look very ugly. Because the rainbow reflects a culture idea of someone who is nice and tolerant, loves the rights of other people, and to object to any part of the flag is to be seen as nasty, bigoted, and ugly. See what I mean? It's a battleground. Very difficult. These are sensitive issues that we have to deal with as a church family. And that's why it's important for us to see where the battle is really focused. It's not at people whose behavior is less than what God calls for. It's at the ideas 
the values, the standards. That's where the problem is. Don't be angry at the people. Focus the battle, the warfare to the ideas. And the fact is we come up with bad ideas because there's something wrong with us. The Bible says we're bent out of shape. So we set up cultural values, which, as Paul says in this text, are against the knowledge of God. They're not God knowledge values. They're our idea, which is against his. And Paul calls them pretensions. Many of our cultural values are pretensions. That means they're fakes. They're counterfeits. And that's why this is the battleground, this particular focus and area. Now, Christians sometimes get the focus wrong. Rather than focusing on values, on culture ideas, we focus our attention on behavior. So to avoid the worst of culture, make sure you don't smoke. Make sure you don't swear. And definitely, this was my Baptist background as growing up, definitely don't dance. Because dancing leads to bad things. I actually grew up in a church setting where watching films were seen as sinful behavior. And that's because films had bad language in them, occasional nudity. What was completely bypassed was the problem with films is the values in them. When I was a teenager in a youth group, there was one exception to this prohibition to watching films. There was one film back then that was a Christian film because it was about a Christian, a Christian athlete named Eric Little, Chariots of Fire, and we watched it every other week. (laughs) There was, however, one bad word in the film, and we winced every time it came. (sighs) Then we got back, and two weeks later, we'd watch it again. I know every line. It's a great film, by the way. Paul is warning us here of where the real danger is. It's the false ideas that attach themselves to culture, the value side. And it's dangerous because they easily condition us. If we don't resist, we will become worldly. And if we take them on, we're going to lose our distinctiveness. We'll get off the Christian path that Steve was talking about. We're going to blend in rather than stand out. So that's why culture matters. It's a great thing to begin with, but its values are dangerous. Well, that leads to the second culture matter for our focus this morning, and it's this. How not to be worldly? How can we avoid it? Because there's no question about our being involved in culture. We live here. The matter is how we're involved in culture. Now I want to highlight three matters here to keep us from being worldly. The first is that we have to engage and understand culture. Our engagement with culture has to be at this deeper level, the supernatural level. Because culture values are spiritually weighted. That's why Paul says it's supernatural spiritual warfare. That's where we need to engage. With the humanly constructed ideas, the standards which are not of God. Paul says we have to demolish them. The arguments, he says. The pretensions. 
the strongholds. So to do battle, you've got to know the enemy. And the enemy is not the non-Christian. It's culture values. Ideas set up against God's truth. That's where we're in danger of being influenced. So our struggle has to take place in that dimension. It's a very important part of what it means to follow Jesus. To understand what's going on here. It's hard work, but that's where we begin. And secondly... How not to be worldly? We have to be vigilant. We have to stay alert. The thing about culture values is that they never stop. There's no off switch. They never take a time out like we do to our kids sometimes. They just keep coming. They keep bombarding us. And you should be aware that the door they come through is not out there. Culture values are constantly streaming into your home through your TV screen, your laptop screen, and your phone screen. Those who research these matters tell us that the average adult in this country spends between 9 and 12 hours a day on screen. Wow. So how are we going to stay vigilant and alert Well, firstly, just be aware that you're being bombarded. Just be aware of it. And it should impact you in terms of how you deal with the bombardment, how you watch the news. When you watch the news, you're not just getting access to the facts of what's going on in the world. What you're watching also conveys culture values, ideas about the world. And there can be an awful lot of demolishment required watching news today. My poor wife, watching the news with me, chuntering on I am all the time. Baloney. Nonsense. Poppycock. Someone today said, I'm a lightweight. They do it way more than I do. There was a time when I used to travel a lot And when I got homesick, you know what I love to do? I love to tune in to our beloved BBC. Such sanity and the English accents. British Broadcasting Corporation. Do you know what it is today? The Big Blasphemous Corporation. The BBC. We need a resistance. Be aware of what's going on. Not all of it, but much of it. Culture values also are streamed through advertising. I'm told that we're exposed to between four and 10,000 adverts a day. Staggering. Every one of them carries a culture value. Take common strap lines that go with products. They're brilliant. Everyone could be a sermon. Listen to a few of them. Culture values. L'Oreal, because I'm worth it. Nike, just do it. Burger King, have it your way. Coke, apparently today the most recognizable symbol on the planet. It's the real thing. Gillette. My wife wishes I did this one. The best a man can get. 
Honda. Anybody have a Honda here? The power of dreams. Dove. Real beauty. They're so clever. You don't completely dismiss them. They're, they're, They're fun in some ways. But each of them reinforce a standard of the world. The same is true of logos. Like the rainbow we referenced briefly, logos carry culture values. Let's look at one here. Mm. Apple, the Apple logo. I'm not going to go into its history. It's rather interesting. What does that Apple remind you of? Come on, your Bible scholar is well taught. Genesis 3, an apple back then. Someone take a bite out of the apple. Hmm. And what was she promised for taking the bite out of the apple? She'd get to know everything. Ooh. She'd be like God. Well, I use one of these. And sometimes I feel like that. Especially when I look at you who don't use apple. That's a powerful symbol. We have to stay alert to the bombardment. We can't go to sleep. And that's why Paul says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. It's on the level of the mind, the imagination. That's appealing to the imagination. That's where we're doing battle. And it's there that we can demolish the ideas that keep bombarding us. Actually, one of the, 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 well, there's so many reasons to gather together on a Sunday, but one reason to come here Sunday by Sunday is because it ought to put resistance into us so we can function well in culture. We can avoid becoming worldly because we're doing the battle in the right places. Now, that leads to my last point, and I introduce it with an amazing quote by the great C.S. Lewis. He wrote this, listen. You and I have need of the strongest spell that can be found to wake us from the evil enchantment of the world. You and I have need of the strongest spell that can be found to wake us from the evil enchantment of the world. What is this spell? Well, it's the third point. We have to ensure our thinking is captive to Christ's mind and not to the world's. Verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every one of our thoughts to make them obedient to Christ. That's the good news. We're not left to ourselves to do this battle with culture values. We have Christ to help us. So we live in a culture bombarding us with things that are untrue, untrue ideas, the pretensions. And while this is happening, we have Christ, through his word, telling us what's true about the world we live in. So he says to us at every given moment, you have heard that it was said. And he points to things like Apple logo. All the messages coming through. And then he says, but I tell you the truth. He can speak to us with his beautiful, godly perfect mind and when our minds are captive to that we can stand because we're listening to the truth about how things are not to pretensions so to be a Christian is to stand between the values of the culture you have heard that it was said and the values of Christ's kingdom 
And those are true values. No fluidity. And as we hear the two voices, we opt for Christ's voice. We take our thoughts captive to him. So when culture says, have it your way, we hear Christ says, no, have it my way. It's the better way. And we can discern between these two value systems. I believe the church in Europe today is in danger of being swept away. And that's because it's given in to culture values. We've forgotten that this is where the battle is. So there's no resistance in us. So we can maintain our distinction as Christ's followers. And the point is it doesn't have to be like that. Because Paul reminds us here that we have access to the mind of Christ. The mind of God. And that mind is divine power to rescue us from the pretensions and to put us into what's true. So that's what we're going to be doing in the next three talks. We're going to look at some of these common culture values that keep bombarding us. Next week, individualism, living for ourselves. That's what life's about. Then a bit later, we're going to look at what's known as hedonism, which is living for pleasure. One culture value, what Christ says to that. And then finally, we're going to look at the new tolerance, how we make our judgment about things. These are the three biggies that I see all around us. So, so God help us as we wrestle with the battle that we've been called to. Amen.